Welcome to the Jolf Man podcast. Thank you for taking the time to tune in and listen. I do hope that listening brings you value. I'm Neil Plimmer and I'm the Jolf Man, a name that I have picked up from children and teachers in primary schools. It has stuck and seems to fit reasonably well. I'm the host of this podcast and will regularly share thoughts, ramblings and ideas about golf, sport, play, teaching, coaching, learning and anything else that might pop up into my mind. What a, with a particular focus on children's and families' first experience of golf and sport. Alongside these rambles, I'll be having chats with others to share their thoughts, get different views and perspectives and explore topics in further detail. Joel's mission is to provide positive first experiences in schools and at golf clubs for children and their families so they can play golf independently, enjoy playing together and learn as they play. We aim to give every child in every primary school in England the opportunity to play golf. I do hope that you enjoy the podcast and find value. Please get in touch with your thoughts, comments, feedback and ideas. I'd love to hear from you. Thomas Devine and Phil Akers, welcome to the Jolfman podcast. Thank you very much for us. This is my first time of having more than one guest on. So the junior golf guys were probably the perfect fit for getting this um, getting this show on, on the road. Um, and also getting into March, I haven't done so much for the last couple of weeks. I thought, you, you know, you guys have done a lot of work over the last six to eight weeks of lockdown, haven't you, getting your product out there. So I was fascinated to hear all about it, as well as get your thoughts, because I know you guys do a lot of stuff. So for those people that don't know you, um, Tom, do you want to introduce yourself, who you are, where you are, what you do? Uh, yeah, so my name's Tom. I'm a PJ golf coach currently based up in Leeds at a place called Alton Hall. Uh, been heavily involved in junior coaching for the last five or six years up there. We've got quite a large program with over 150 children coming per week. So alongside that, I do a, a little bit of adult coaching, but I think it's fair to say I'm more specialising in, in the junior side of things at the moment. Brilliant. So, so again, you're one of those coaches who've sort of chosen to specialise in children and young people. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. That's fair comment. And Phil, new place. Yeah. What says? You've started a new, new facility. New yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, new beginning starting as soon as we come back. I'm going to go over there straight after this. Uh, I'm starting over at Bromsgrove Golf Academy where um, they've got an amazing junior setup over there. Got. Um, just over 200 kids a week coming through in junior lessons and pitch and putt golf course and uh, sort of like 18 hole full golf course and great driving range so um, yeah I'm really looking forward to getting started over there and like me and Tom go way back we started uh, a program what seven eight years ago now Tom how long would it have been yeah 2013 it was I think 2013 there we go um and sort of like i obviously moved on um and sort of tom tom took the reins over at fuel golf and um it's just done the most amazing job sort of like growing it and i sort of started um a new program at the belfry and sort of like um done done a lot of the legwork for that and designed all the programming down there and sort of now it's uh, time for new new horizons and that the new one and um it'll be a, a bit of a different um project for me and that they're sort of like starting a little bit more of an elite development sort of route 
um, sort of like going forward, whether it's hopefully starting like a college programme and sort of getting these children that sort of, I suppose, 13, 14, 15, sort of like developing through because they've got a huge base layer. Um, but I suppose trying to not let these children sort of come out of the come out the top of it and have such a high dropout rate as well. How exciting. So yeah. it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of coaches that maybe specialise gravitate to, if you like, grassroots, school, club, programming, getting children into that regular coaching, whereas you've got the opportunity to add that those layers above it. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. And uh, I mean, uh, um, it was always my goal to sort of like, originally the Fuel Golf Programme was the Future Elite Junior Golf Programme, which looking back on it was probably... Um, the wrong the wrong way to set it up but I mean I wanted to become a tour coach and I wanted to start to try and create these juniors um or get these juniors from an early age and sort of like have a bit of a 20-25 year uh project with it whereas I suppose they've already built that base layer at um, Bromsgrove so now it's kind of a little bit of sort of how we can start to shape it and guide it a little bit more around sort of um I suppose two two different routes, one almost a bit of an elite development path and one almost a bit of a participation path with it, where I think sort of it, it's quite tricky to get both of them. And I think in the past, it's probably the space that the county golf unions and golf associations have probably focused on, isn't it? You know, children get into it at clubs, they have their coaching, they have their club coach or their home coach, so to speak. And then obviously, if they then want that extra level of, we'll say, coaching expertise, they then move on to their county setups. Yeah, I mean, that's one of my huge bugbears um, in sort of how counties have dealt with my juniors that we've sort of passed through to them in, in the past. And it's not been very linked up. And I mean, like I've been really fortunate. Um, me and Aaron Lansbury, I'm sure that you've um, had loads of conversations we have a great junior coach we sort of put a proposal forward to Warwickshire um, County um, to take over their sort of like junior development um, within the county and they sort of uh, accepted it so it's been so nice working alongside him and we've got very much the same idea that we try to um, work within a team we don't try and I suppose prescribe stuff to the children without talking to the coach first and the parents first and sort of like we'll we'll make observations but it's very much a team thing and it's very much a, opening up channels of communication which I think counties have been a little bit lax with in the past and it's been quite frustrating for home coaches I'm sure that you guys have found that in the past. Yeah I mean I've, I've had a number of roles within county setups being coordinator and coach and different ages and stages and I think actually you know when doing that job or those jobs the first thing that was always really important was communicating to all stakeholders whether that be the union association people whether that be the parents whether that be clubs and coaches and and I also to be honest with you always believe that that home coach syndrome that we always spoke about children don't necessarily have home coaches they might have coaches that they see or they have people but it's not like we're sort of stealing people. And if it was, it was a very minority of children. Um, so I always used to not not pay lip service to it, but I always used to say it's not as big a deal as I think we make it out to be. I think there's that perception, though, isn't there, that if you're a county coach or a higher level of coach, though, sometimes, and it's uh, I don't think that's necessarily always the way, but I think it's the way that it's perceived as from a junior and parent point of view that, Right, well, if I'm getting into the county, then 
they've got to be the best coaches and that. And I don't know, I, I always sort of had a bit of a bugbear with that one in the past. It's probably an interesting conversation, whether it's for now or not, but that that <laughs> that term, that county club coach structure, very sort of hierarchical probably, and also very fixed in tradition and culture. I mean, is that the same up, you know, I know sort of what it's like around here in the Midlands, I've got some experience. Is that the same? Because obviously the the, the, North, the power of the North, Tom, um, and Yorkshire, because you're in Yorkshire, aren't you, Leeds, Yorkshire? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting listening to you guys chat there and don't want to get into too much, you know, too much politics here. But I think, you know, it's an, it is a thing that county coaches are perceived as better. So naturally, parents and children might gravitate towards a county coach. And, you know, I'm not I've no shame in saying that I've been sacked. If that's if that's such a word, you know, I've been sacked before for another coach um, who is perceived as as being better than me. And I think, you know, sometimes that is just part of the game I think and actually interestingly I was advised a few years ago don't be a developmental coach you've got to be a right now coach so what that was saying was it's no good saying right in five six years time we're going to do this kids and parents often want it now and this guy was saying look you've got to you've got to get them hitting good shots now they're not bothered in long term and you know that was a fair point, but I still obviously believe in long-term development, but I think we're always battling with parents. If there's a six or seven-month period where a child isn't getting better, you know, they're looking at you saying, what's going on here? You know, they're not getting better. And it's the politics involved, but I think, as you guys have said, the main thing here is the communication and the working with each other. It's not one or the other. It's everyone together. So if at any opportunity we can get into the county coaches, whoever it is, get them on the phone and say, look, X, Y, Z, and that's what I try to do. I try to speak to them and work together, and, and it's not a battle of one or the other, because ultimately it's all about the child, isn't it? It's not about us or our, or, or our egos, which often come into this, you know. So it's tricky. And I, and I think generally the the people that are in those positions, as say those county coaches, they're always nice guys. You know, nice people, genuine, want to do the right thing. Um, and I think it's often, in my experience, been probably a lack of either structure or values or frameworks that they, because they don't work within that. And then there's no, where does the child fit in that structure and framework if there isn't one? Where does the parent fit? Where does the club fit? And I also then think, and I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this. I also wonder whether for a long time, and if you go back to County Academy Programme, England Golf, um, County Golf Partnerships, they ended up replacing a lot of what should go on at golf clubs. And I think then it got stuck in the ether, didn't it? You know, does the county do it? Does the club do it? Well, the club's not going to do it. And so then stuff just didn't happen. Yeah, sure. And I mean, it's, you know, it is a challenge because, you know, there's a particular child a couple of years ago and he, let's say, he was coming to me for lessons, but then he had he had his Yorkshire lessons, let's say. He had his Leeds District lessons. He then had his... England North Region lessons. So all of a sudden, there's four coaches having the finger in the pie, let's say. You know, so there's four different pieces of information coming. And it's almost like, hang on a minute, does this child need all of this? You know, they may want to represent the Leeds and District, they may want to represent Yorkshire, but sure, there's got to be an integration in what's actually going on and what's being delivered. And, you know, that's it. I will say, it's not an easy job. You know, these county coaches, they've got 
you know, these kids turn up, they've got three, four hours, whatever it is, and I know that they are following a regime, let's say. The county might have said, right, you have to deliver X, Y, and Z. So these guys are sort of feeling like, right, I've got to do this because that's what the, the county hierarchy are telling me. And, you know, it's not easy, but it would be nice to work together and, and come up with a plan as a group rather than having our individual plans. And I think what's, what's also interesting is, and, and what you highlight there, I think I've seen, it's also that ratio of the amount of coaching and coach coaching they get and coaches they see versus the amount that they play. And, it, and then you throw in the fact that when they play, they probably only play competitively, club medal, county event, national event, let's say, and then don't have any messing around play. You know, yeah. how many conversations have we had over the last two or three weeks, months, where players, coaches will say, I just love going to the golf club and hitting it over the clubhouse or playing from hole one to hole three. You know, unorganised, unstructured, just, well, just pissing around. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's such a big thing now, isn't it? Like, the, me and Tom have sort of spoke about this quite a bit, like the early professionalisation of sport and it is it is a hard one now because when we was growing up playing golf, it was very much that my dad dropped me off and come to pick me up in the evening and I had the full day to, as you say, piss around. <laughs> and That's there wasn't it. any adults really around to sort of stop me playing a few different holes and having chipping competitions for the day and then, you know, sort of like having, having a bit of a scramble with the lads sort of thing. Whereas now it's kind of parents don't want to drop their kids off down the down the golf club without having adult supervision there so therefore they almost get that little bit of I don't know I shouldn't be mucking around or there might be a parent to say like you're not allowed to do that sort of thing and as you say it, it becomes more they don't have that unstructured sort of chaos to their development which is actually something that's really fun for children and something that actually helps them learn massively here's one of the again i'm not fussed where these conversations go and i think this is really interesting one of the things that keeps cropping up is the amount of stories that people share about how let's say we and i know that we are a sort of white male certain demographic but how we got into the game and how we created that love and it would seem that from a structural organisational organisational perspective, we're offering something completely different because our oh, children are different these days and society's different where the game's no different. You know, 18 holes, fresh air, clubs, bats, balls, whack it, find it. And this is where I have this bit of balance sometimes that, you know, like you say, we overstructure, overorganise, or sorry, do we overstructure do we overorganize? Do we overcomplicate things rather than just allowing, not or allowing, giving children, young people, the opportunity to mess around? Yeah, I've I've heard you chat about this before, Neil. I think it's a really, really interesting point, and yeah, you know, I've thought about this, and I think one of the main differences now is that kids are playing at like five and six years old. Yes, this is this is one big difference. So. Let's say myself, I was 10 or 11, I could get dropped off, I could play with my mates and I didn't have supervision. Now kids are starting to play earlier and earlier, you know, there's more parent involvement, as Phil said, because they can't drop them off. Um, but then just, just naturally, I think when you have a group of six-year-olds, so 
I like to describe it as organised chaos because I think we have to have some organisation if we've got a group of six-year-olds. You know, in my opinion, we've got to be careful just for safety reasons. We can't have them running all around. So I think we have to have a loose organisation or a loose structure um, to almost keep them in control. If we say, you know, just two people in a bay, that that structure, isn't it? Having a, a very loose structure around two people, swap your bays, X, Y, and Z. But you know, I think for me, there's there seems to be a lot of formal engagement now with you know competitions, and and that's where the rigidity comes for me. And I don't, I'm conscious to try and provide some sort of structure within my coaching program for the children, but at the same time, within that structure, I want to try and make it as much about deliberate play as possible. You know, it's not too serious sure. and I think just the age of the children has shaped the structure a little bit if that makes sense and I think what's really interesting there I think maybe in the in the climate that we now sit in you know 2021 we've got children are starting earlier no doubt I can't if I look back you know and it's a long time I'm aware it's a long time 20 30 years of when I started but there weren't many four five six seven eight year olds playing starting mm-hmm. to play number one and number two, 20 plus years ago, I mean, maybe even go less than that, there weren't many coaches who were specialising in coaching children. Yeah. And so in that, you've then got those two things that, and I suppose we are, we are the epitome of that in some respects, aren't we? You know, if you like full-time, focused, coaching children. So we're the ones that are pouring petrol on that fire. And it's like, right. And I think also one thing I'm always conscious of, and I think this gets missed in a lot of the chats, is the age and stage, isn't it? So six to six to eight, six to nine, they do need that adult, don't they, for safety and boundaries and structure. But then when they get to that 11, 12, 13, well, I mean, if they've started too early, we may well have lost them, might we? It's a long time to keep them. Yeah. Or... Go on, go on, Phil, sorry. Uh, again, this is one of them things where I think that transferred to the golf course, as as we sort of said earlier, like we got addicted to the game, right? We got addicted to playing out on the golf course and fresh air, eighteen holes, walking about, mucking around with your mates, playing different holes, and like the game doesn't need to change that much. I don't think. I think that the game's almost very addictive. I think it's being ready to sort of like play. 18 holes like you don't need to start on 18 holes it can be very much like i know that we're not rewriting the manual here or anything it's just like make it length appropriate make it fun but then when they are old enough to be with their friends and they can be trusted a little bit let them go out and have that play and like find themselves you know let them be creative and they don't need to become the world's best golfers with it but they do need to make friends if we're going to keep them in this game for the next 20 30 40 years or whatever and that's more important i think than making them a good golfer on the driving range having the perfect swing and stuff like that or being ready as it were to play 18 holes before they get out there yeah, it's, it, I think it's almost like, just trying to reflect it, it's almost like there's too much opportunity now for an 11-year-old. Like, back when I was 11, all I had was the golf course across the road and a couple of mates, and that's what we did. Like, if you're an 11-year-old now who's been playing for four or five years, they're probably going to be 
at an okay standard if they've been doing it for four or five years. But nowadays, as, as an 11-year-old, it's like, right, hang on a minute, you've got this junior open, you've got this world championship. And, and I think everyone gets drawn into that. And this is where there's a massive gap for me. You know, I don't mind having these structured, unstructured, chaotic experiences at six, seven, eight years old, but it's sort of when they get to nine, 10, 11, and they get dragged into all this other stuff that's like formal and it's just too serious for me. So so I think you may well have heard, we're having, we're in that space, we're in exactly that space at the moment with my, with my son. So he is 11, he's 11 this week, cricket, okay? So cricket is our, is his thing. Um, and so he, he has some opportunities to go and do county pathway sessions, which we would pay for. We have some extra sessions that he chooses to go to. And then we've got our cricket club. Now, again, cricket club, interestingly, I think there's a lot to learn here. It has that balance of play, coaching, coaches who are generally volunteers, not necessarily formal or any structure, and also that social element to it. And in all his different spaces, he has those different social elements. And for me, as the parent, it's balancing all those things off. And, and there are times, again, like you've described, he's having more practice and coaching than he is playing. But it's feast and famine in cricket. It's a bit like golf, I suppose, that during the summer months, we cram all this match practice and match play in. And then during the winter, it's nets. Um and it's a fascinating yeah. thing. It's a fascinating thing. Honestly, one of the things with that as well, um, sort of like I've talked a little bit about, like the Matthew effect, where sort of like these kids, are, if they do get introduced to, say, sort of like county and England and stuff like that, they do potentially get that opportunity to reach a higher level as well because they're not working with, say, volunteers and so on okay and it becomes that little bit more structured but potentially reach a little bit of a higher level or you flip you look at the flip side of that it's like that it's too serious too soon and actually that they that they drop out of it because they just don't enjoy it it's been they specialized too early in the game you know and it's such a tricky balancing act for parents especially because they don't know about it like they don't know when's the right time and that because you know they might be an accountant or an electrician or something like that it's not as if they've researched into the Matthew effect or relative age of what the counts are like they just see the county development pathway or the England development pathway think that's the right thing for their child and Sometimes we need to take this a little bit more on a child by child basis, I think, and be a little bit sensitive to that all of these kids are going to go through, become the world's best player in that. And actually, they might reach a little bit of a higher level if you do just take a step back and allow them to play for a bit longer. It's yeah. hard. I mean, you know, so again, with this cricketing thing, the bit that I've enjoyed is being a beginner in a sport and not knowing anything about it and I've had numerous conversations with the coaches and they'll say what do you want to know and I'm like I don't know what I want to know because I don't know what I don't know so you're gonna have to yeah. sort of treat you know you'll say right James has got to hit top of off let's say as an example I don't really know what that means I do now but I don't really understand what that means and the fact that he's a leg spinner does he still need to ah well then that's different okay we didn't tell me that so it's, it's these little nuances and not treating people as if they don't know anything, but like, you know, I think in the past as a county coach, I don't know where you guys have done it, I've sort of 
well, I know everything and, you, you know, and I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to know rather than, you know, what do you know? Because like I've said to them, I know a little bit about coaching and I know a little bit about sport and counties, but I don't know anything about cricket. I've got no domain specific knowledge. And it's tough. It's really tough. Interesting, but tough. Takes time, doesn't it? Being involved in a sport and to get that time in it, I think the the best way of doing that is to have that child that's addicted to it, sort of thing that yep. wants to be, needs to be down there because they'll pick it all up. If it's too formal, too soon, maybe they don't quite build that intrinsic love of the game, and then ultimately all of that effort of getting to know it was for nothing, really. I know. Throw this one in there now, so. You know, do we think so? There's one massive change. Obviously, we know that age is is has has influenced things. But let's say for me as a 12 year old, my experience, my parents were never there. I was just dropped off. But if kids are playing now at six and the parents are going every week, they then form that habit of the parents always being there. So now, even when the child is 12, the parents still there. Yeah. Whereas ours weren't. So. Yeah. How was that affecting things? The parents are always there. Yeah. See, it loops back, doesn't it? It loops back to their starting earlier. And so if they're starting earlier and they need that parental support, and then it says parents, you know, we start to step away, step away, step away. I mean, you, I, know, I know you enjoy a rant about this, don't you, Tom? But those tournaments for young children. And I, I could rant on as well. And I think the interesting one is when you've got caddies, um, yeah, caddies or bag carriers. You know what are you? Are you a caddy or a bag carrier? Whereas, you know, in what we've done, I've always been reasonably insistent, as insistent as I would ever be, about that children always carry their own bags. Always. Yeah. So even you know, if there's a, even if a child comes to the range and I think they're big enough to be carrying the bag, and Dad's carrying, you know, I'll just say, "Come on, Billy," you know, yeah. Jesse, yeah. whoever it is, come on, pick up your bag. And yeah, no, it, it's so different and. You know, I don't want to get on at the backs of these junior tour organisers because ultimately they're probably meaning well and they're trying to provide opportunity. You know, that's you know, that's the perception, isn't it? This is a great opportunity, yes, in theory, but it's just the baggage that comes with it. Um, and you, we know what happens, don't we? But I just can't agree with with under eight championships and and stuff like that. I'll take a lot of convincing um, that we should be putting children into that arena. So but, that's my that's my view. But maybe it comes back to what we were saying around the county stuff. If those under eights had a there was a framework around right, we're going to get these under eights playing. Let's say distance appropriate courses, carrying their own bags, making their own decisions, not necessarily celebrating the winner per se. Yeah, there's maybe some reason for it. But when you've then got caddies and you've got first, second, thirds, and you've got, like you say, a world champion, it's like, oh, really? There's some ethics there, isn't there? Yeah, well, no, I think... Sorry, Tom, No, like football, for example, you know, you, you, we've been hearing over the years, haven't we, that, you know, Man City have signed this five-year-old, and, and it's, you, you know, you're looking from the outside thinking, what on earth is going on here? This is mental. But I'm seeing golf go down that road now, and... Uh, you know, 10 years ago, we weren't at this with golf, but now we're seriously at this seven, eight-year-old professional golfer and it's a sticky road <laughs> for me. Yeah. My... yeah. I was just going to say exactly the same point. It was <laughs> it just uh, these, I think football's sort of like, yeah, 
your shining star of it, isn't it? Like they'll get a kid at four years old, five years old, and like they'll be in the paper and stuff like that. But they get to sort of like 15, 16, and the club, sorry, the club deselects them um, because they're ultimately not the standard that they'd like them to be at or something like that. And then, you know, that child often feels like they've been deselected for the sport, even though they've invested all of these hours, all of that sort of passion and love for the game and then they've been deselected by it and then it's like I don't want to play anymore as a result and you know I think as you say it's, it's the ethics side of things that probably isn't quite right on that there's a, there's a lovely on Twitter somewhere one of the football coaches they often say you know as many as we can for as long as we can forever and I, and I really like that that sort of yeah. sentiment of that statement and, and, and I can't remember who I was talking to earlier in one of the podcasts. It'll come to me in a second. And they talked about the fact is that there had to be selection at, a, at an age because of funds. You know, so funding only allows for X amount of children. So if there's more. But I think, you know, what I always used to say when we were selecting, it's like, well, we need to probably do as much work and communication on those children that weren't selected than we do on the ones that are selected. So there's, there's, there's constantly an opportunity to get back into the system if they've so cho- chosen. I mean, this was at 12, 13, 14, 15, not 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, the oh, selection, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Because the more you grow it at the bottom, the, hard, the more people are going to be deselected, aren't they? If there's but in, only... But in golf... It, there should well, never be any selection, should there? Because it's a well, we're on our yeah. own, aren't we? We're playing on our own. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying is, if there's this county team, you know, if there's a team to get in, yeah, then the more you have, the more there's going to be disappointed, isn't there? So it's a, it's a tricky one that. So I've often said in in some of the, I mean, I've been out of the county setup now for a long period of time, and this might be the reason why I've been out of the county setup. You when when I've when I've asked this question, I've said, well. Sure, maybe as a county we shouldn't be responsible for any coaching. Would we be would we be better off if the county were just responsible for providing appropriate playing opportunities? Well, this is this is mega, and and you know I think I would love to see the county approach just be, and I'm sure this is happening in some areas because there's some very knowledgeable coaches out there but I love the county sessions to be turn up for six or seven hours whatever it is three or four hours and it literally just be set up with like different challenges on the course on the chipping green on the range whatever it is and and just let the children go and play and if they have to do a little bit of a recording of points and shots you know and actually just then come back to me and say oh what did you do oh we did all these mad games and and they could then say oh I struggled with me bunkers whatever it was rather than just coming back with this generic script of, oh, yeah, I've done this, I've done that. Oh, really? Why? And it's, yeah, we, yeah, we all know, we all know the grip change. It's the first thing they get told. And and I've had it so many times. And, you know, one day, one kid just came back with a little scrap of piece of paper with some trackman numbers on. I'm just like, what? What's this mean? Oh, I don't know. The coach just said, write these numbers down. I'm like, come on, we've got to be doing better than this, you know? So for me, the county should be about... They should be providing training environments that expose the children, if that's such a word, or highlight to children areas that they're strong and weak at, and then they come back to the coach and say, oh, I'm struggling with this and that, and then we work on them like that. that that's sort of my, my view, if that makes sense. 
I think it's that traditional view of coaching, though, isn't it? Like, what is coaching? Is it just that you're changing someone's technique? Or do we have the opportunity to sort of advance them in sort of like some of the areas that maybe the coaches don't, their home coaches don't have a chance to, you know, understand a little bit more about strategy, the types of games, actually analysing sort of like, or finding out where their strengths and weaknesses are in their game without sort of like being too prescriptive with it, as Tom said have a load of games set up and be like, right, well, what were you good at? What were you bad at? Okay, well, what are you going to do with your home coach when you next see him sort of thing? Like, where have we got opportunities for development rather than we're all going to be in line today, we're going to hit half hour's worth of golf balls. I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you that your grip's wrong. I'm going to tell you that you've got a funky hip action and stuff like that. And then go home and be like, right, well, I've got to change that. And it's like, well, you might have been hitting might have been hitting the ball unbelievably well you might have you accounted you might have an England competition or something yeah. the week after and yeah. that and the coach just doesn't have a clue yeah. all they're focusing on is technical changes all the time which for me is actually really poor coaching yeah but I think you know importantly is there I'm sure if we got any coach around the table we would all agree that you really need to know the individual so whoever is in front of you, you have to try and have as much knowledge about them as possible, where they've come from, their history, blah, blah, blah. Well, that surely goes against, you know, everything that they're doing in terms of, oh, I've got five minutes, right, do this, do that. You don't know anything about <laughs> it. And, you know, it surely it can't be right. And, um, yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I'm sure there's some stu- some good stuff going on, but I've had some freaky experiences. Well, for... for- for, a, for what it's worth, so when I did some of the county coaches, this was with the ladies, so we used to put on workshops. So because we had some of the resources and we had, I had some of the contacts, we used to put on workshops for the players. So we had 3D biomech, we had nutrition, we had strength and conditioning, we had Pilates. We used to give them access to all these different things that they probably wouldn't normally see to educate them or to... To, to make them understand how it could be. And if they then so chose to go and do it, well, that's up to them. And so we yeah. used to use that opportunity for everyone to come together. It was definitely a social affair because we'd sit in the room, we'd have chats and whatnot. And the other thing which was really interesting, for about two or three years, I saw all of the county players play more than anybody had ever seen them play. So because of the fact that I'd seen them play, I always felt like I was in a position where I could say things because I'd seen them play more I knew they got home coaches and I knew they got people they see but because I'd seen them play and I'd seen it in situ which again if I go back to when I first started doing it or when I even when I had county coaching no one ever watched me play so therefore if you don't watch a player play how can you possibly give sound judgment on what's going to go on yeah it's hard we're paid 50 pound an hour or whatever to to coach these coach these people to play around the golf and to go and observe them, sort of like people aren't going to pay you fifty pounds to walk around the golf course just to look at your play, sort of thing. And that's the tricky bit. Whereas actually, golf, county coaches get a wonderful opportunity to do that, and they should make the most of that. I agree, I completely yeah. agree with that. I think it'd be really interesting to have that chat around county coaching, the coach, you know, where it's been, where it's at. I mean, I'm I'm still slightly in touch with it, but. I still think that over the last five to ten years, because of, say, County Academy programmes and stuff, I think I do wonder if it's been not the death of coaching or children. I'll say children, young people playing at the club, because they've gone and done all that organised stuff, that informal stuff is missing, you know, for that 11, 11, 12 plus age group. 
Yeah, it's yeah. Hmm. That's sort of what I'd prefer to see from that 11, 12, 13, just having these, you know, roll-ups, if we call it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think they get enough chance kids to play informally at that age. Yeah. Um, and that's a battle that I'm trying to uh, conquer, let's say. You know, where I'm at, I'm trying to provide on-course experience for them, but not make it too serious. We're trying to encourage parents out, trying to encourage kids out. And it's tricky, but like you said earlier, and um, I've heard this before, the 10... When they get to 11 or 12, they might play on the course, but they only ever play on the course in a competition, you know? So it's it's a tricky logistical battle, but but that's just the system. Is is that us? Is, have, have we, are we part of the problem? You know, am I part of the problem? You've got to look at yourself at it. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, if, it, if, if, I've, if I've learned anything through lockdown, I think we are one of the barriers to increasing participation. If we, if we say participation is un, informal, unstructured, uh, I think we have to consider that coaches, you know, and we, and I'll hold my hands up of, you know, doing it a lot, all in, because, you know, like we said, we've got a lot, we've had a livelihood to try and create and we want structure, we want to try and market ourselves. I, I, I know, I know that I've been part of the problem, for sure, for sure. I think it's just knowing that we, that we can take a step back isn't it like that we can set these things up we can get children into the sport and that's a really really good thing and then it's that case of actually that our view is actually that there should be a lot of unstructured development in this for the child as well and being like right well I've introduced you to it I'm going to keep supporting you with it but ultimately like a lot of this is down to you to like if you love it and that like get out on the golf course and enjoy it you know I'm not going to be there to hold your hand the whole way get it right get it wrong and in 15 years, it's going to be a really cool sort of learning experience that you've been through. And hopefully I'll still be your mate rather than just your golf coach, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah, it's fascinating. It really is fascinating. I love that. The, the chat around county, because of that structure, I think is a really interesting one. Uh, maybe, it's not, maybe it's one that doesn't come up enough, I don't think, sometimes. So hard, isn't it? And the people at the top of the county systems are often the people that have gone through it as well or been successful in it, it might be. I know that I had that little bit when I was up in Yorkshire and stuff like The guys had a lot of time. They was retired yep. men that had come through the county system and stuff and had played golf at a good amateur level sort of thing, so be it scratch or better, something like that. And then they're put in charge of junior development sort of thing where actually potentially they don't fully know the intricacies of it as well and they are I mean, 100% genuine with brush there like that's that's not how it's meant to come across no but. no but they're, they're often genuine people really coming from the right place and the one thing i've always been hugely respectful the amount of time and effort they put in for for generally no no reimbursement absolutely yeah 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 absolutely i'm, I'm not meaning to bash no. them whatsoever with that but Unfortunately, like me, Tom, yourself, like we've been to university, we aren't, we studied like sociology of the game and stuff like that and understand these intricacies because we've been doing it for 20 years sort of thing and that's all we've been doing. Often the amateur game with it, like these guys don't have that time to do it and they're just working off their past experiences up rather than the research of it and that's, that's not through any fault of their own. It's just that they've been put into these positions because... They've maybe 
been good golfers yeah. and given it a lot of time, you know. I do wonder whether the one thing we can learn from the past, and maybe as we, 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 we finish off or draw things to a close, we could chat for hours, I'm sure. Yeah, um, I know. This, this, <laughs> this could be part one. I'm happy for this to be part one. But maybe, maybe one thing we can learn from the past is, is maybe that, you know, when, when children are able to do things on their own from a safety perspective, it's maybe allowing them and providing with them the opportunities to play in an unstructured, informal and add more unstructured and informal play in place rather than that competitive, structured and formal. And maybe that's where the balance has been lost. That's a tricky one. Um, and I agree. But sometimes we've got to, before they get to that stage, make sure they don't come become too obsessed about the score. Because I think there could be an 11-year-old that if we said, right, just go out there today, play nine holes and I'll see you at the end. What, what, am I not, am I not marking my card? And, you know, and even me as a kid, you know, I enjoyed marking my card and I enjoyed trying to beat my score yeah. um, from last week, whatever it is. So there is sometimes the kids want to mark the score, but I almost think that's fine. But then how are we, you know, if you want to mark a card, that's fine. Go and do that. But there's going to be no prizes or anything. It's just for you mark the scorecard for you not to try and beat everyone else sort of thing so it's a very tricky balance and um, you know I I think that would be cool wouldn't it if we could just create these informal events where it was just literally a knock up a roll up let's say and you just knock it round and and there's no real formality to that but maybe the kids would enjoy that because they had two or three hours with the mates bit of chipping bit of putting nine holes and and it was just cheesy chips. Yeah, it was some cheesy chips and beans. <laughs> and it was just, it was just a knock, you know, rather than a, a formal thing. Interesting. So, so, so maybe I'll, you, you point to something there. What's really interesting, and was, and was definitely for us when we were doing our weekly sessions, was that personal bests, and it's probably hanging on to children and their their personal bests and getting them to intrinsically focus on their score their better rather than where they are in relation to everybody yeah. else yeah um, yeah that's uh, intrinsic yeah yeah that's really really interesting i tell you, well i'll tell you what out of this i'm gonna make it one of my to-dos i'm gonna make myself accountable <laughs> right here to be able to put into place something so when those children are able to play independently you know, carry their own bag, be safe, understand where they are in relation to the golf course, whatever, what, however they play, however they play, it's providing them with in, un, informal, unstructured opportunities to play. I'm going to make myself accountable to that. Love it. <laughs> Set up the WhatsApp group, put them in it and you leave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, I'll, I'll be I'll be down the tee just to sort of go off. You go, go on, and I'll maybe see at the end. And how'd you get on? All good, all good. Well, I'm I'm gonna have a look look into that. You've inspired me today, guys. Yeah, cool. It was a great chat. To be um, so if people want to, I know you've got lots going on. So by all means, pitch what you've got going on. You've got loads going on with the junior golf guys and your education stuff and clubhouse. And if people want to find out more about that, where are they going to find you both? Yeah, I think basically, well, me and Phil, we've just sort of launched this new initiative, Junior Golf Guys. 
So you can find us at juniorgolfguys.co.uk and then Twitter at Thomas Divine PJ. You can find Phil on Twitter as well. I think the whole ethos behind this Junior Golf Guys was we're just trying to help parents, coaches and golf clubs grow the game, keep kids in the game for longer. Um, it's just something that we're passionate about. So if there's any coaches out there or parents listening that you know just want a chat, you can find us at the website and, and we can book in for, for a call for sure. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I'm sure once we, uh, what is it, the 29th of March, everyone's going to be busy anyway. So nobody will be doing any talking. They'll all be busy doing something. No, I'm going to carry it again. One of my missions is to carry on chatting because you've got to carry on chatting through the busy times as well, haven't we? No, good man, Neil. You're doing a really good job for junior golf and that. Um, keep it going. Really appreciate it. Thank you for your time, guys. Thank you, Neil. Bye.